Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, a cricket TV deal by Christmas. More Elon Musk Twitter shenanigans. And Paul Barry's Media Watch record. It's Monday, December 12. I'm Abe Beauty and a festive good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. Now, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. We're having the the unmade Tasmanian branch Christmas party today, which is the two <laughs> of us having lunch in Burnie. It's going to be huge. I'm glad we booked out that uh, seven, 70 seat restaurant. No, it'll be, it'll be good <laughs> catching up for lunch to celebrate the year that was. Hey, and speaking of which, we have to decide where to go, but maybe we can actually do that offline. <laughs> How was your weekend? It was a good weekend. I uh, had family Christmas uh, functions, which is always good to get kids together, get extended family together and yeah, really being in the same room together. So that was, yeah, that was really nice. Good to have these traditions, I think, that the kids can look back on. How was yours? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Uh, rather quieter. Uh, caught up on a massive amount of lost sleep, having just been busy running around in Sydney all of last week. So, um, yes, it was a kind of dull and overcast Sunday that was uh, a lot of a lot of snoozing got done and a, a lot of football got watched. But we won't talk about that because we'll bring down the mood. I was going to say quick World Cup update, but perhaps we don't. Perhaps we move straight on. No, let's not talk about that. I'm still feeling too sad. Um, where shall we start this week? Well, let's start with cricket. Uh, that's covered in both the AFR and the Australian this morning. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll stick with uh, we'll stick with sport. So I I do sometimes worry that this podcast is basically the cricket TV rights news with a bit of Twitter news thrown in as well. Um, I think what we've had though is over the last few months just this extraordinary period where. All of these five, six, seven-year deals have all been renegotiated in a very narrow time frame. So, you know, we once we get through cricket, then we're almost there for several years. You know, there, there will be the Olympics to come up as well, but you know that um, that's one to probably think about next year. So, um, yeah, a bit of reporting, um, as you say, in both the AFR. And the Australian this morning suggesting that we're close to a deal probably this side of Christmas. Now, it would appear certainly in in the way it's been reported in both the AFR and the Australian, it's really coming down just 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 really to, to two choices for Cricket Australia. Um, the incumbents, which is seven and um, Foxtel slash KO, so the free-to-air rights and the pay-TV rights, and that's across all forms of the game. So Big Bash League, the um, Test Series, uh, Test Serieses, I know that's not quite the right language, but you know what I mean, um, along with One Day Internationals. Um, so that, you know, that the, the, the question is whether it stays with that incumbent or goes across to Paramount. Paramount being owner of Free to Air Network Ten, along with the Paramount Plus uh, streaming system. So um, I think it's going to come down to a choice, as um, as the AFR report puts it, and I I, I agree between price and reach there is a bit of a suggestion that um uh 
Paramount may already have in the higher bid, but of course, you know, questions over, you know, whether they they, they can deliver the same sort of reach as the larger networks, you know, in 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 seven. So that's definitely going to be one of the factors. So how, I mean, how important is this to ten? How much do they need this? Yeah, look, that's a really good point. There's been a lot of reporting in recent weeks about. 10's disappointing ratings for the year which you know when it comes to free to air is undeniable you know traditionally 10 is the third network between seven and nine but the gap bigger than usual um it feels very much like uh the future of the organization is much more about the streaming side of things driven by paramount you know we saw one or two of the shows towards the end of the year that didn't work, uh, including uh, The Challenge and Real Love Boat, probably were uh, commissioning decisions driven by the um, the US network because they were, you know, they were ones that aligned with the network and which didn't work for the Australian audience. Um, but the single biggest problem for Tan is it's just not in the game without a top tier sport, you know. So you've got seven owns uh, AFL in the winter and cricket at the moment in the summer. Nine has NRL and tennis. Um, now, for all of the, the the way that Seven's turned its nose up a bit about his relationship with Cricket Australia, it's also you know is something which is important to seven scheduling at the start of the year um but what we see with 10 though is just this huge gap in not having a sport because it's something you can you can build long-term sponsorship relations around you can plan in your scheduling you can launch shows off it so there's there's a lot you can do with a big sport so so definitely 10 needs it the most um and i suppose uh, you know there's uh, one of the signals from that is something quite unusual today which i can't remember in recent sports right negotiations is 10 has gone on the record so um whereas previously you know whenever there's been a uh um negotiation going on on sports rights with AFL with NRL there's this dignified silence from both sides um this time there are some you know they're 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 relatively um uh relatively anodyne comments but there are actually on the record comments from 10 so in the AFR you've got this direct swing at 10's rivals. So there's an actual quote from a 10 spokeswoman. It is unfortunate and disappointing that some of our competitors have made it their mission to to perpetuate false and misleading stories. Um, Now, obviously, that is as much as anything about the market itself, but it's being used in the context of the cricket negotiation. Um, and they kind of emphasise the fact that it has got the financial firepower, which it does because of the backing of Paramount, because that's always the question. Um, yeah, the quote is, the network has strong international backing and invests hundreds of millions of dollars in local content and more than $18 billion globally. So that's a sort of signal that it's it's got the power to do the deal. But I, I do wonder if they knew when they gave those quotes 
that it was going to be in the context of the cricket negotiations because it's always a bit frowned upon to do an, uh, a, a, a running commentary as you're doing the deal. But that said, you know, when you then go over to the Australians media section today, we have got commentary from a Cricket Australia insider saying there's still a bit of wheeling and dealing to be done this week, but we're getting close. So looks like um, we are going to see some sort of deal. Um, I wonder which way it will go. Um, I think this is probably Ten's best hope of getting something, so it will go quite hard. But, you know, as we saw with AFL, never write off the power of the incumbent. Next, more mischief from the Chief Twits. So Twitter is relaunching its verification tick today. Tim, what do we know? Yeah, so this was uh, one of Elon Musk's early projects, which had to be dumped uh, when it kind of reduced to absolute chaos when anyone who was willing to spend eight bucks was able to get a tick. And then, of course, it was very hard to tell the difference between someone who'd paid the money and somebody who was a recognised source or you know, genuinely the personality they they were purporting to be. So we relaunch again this week uh, in five countries to start off with. Australia is one of the five countries. We'll see if it goes any better this time. Um, One of the uh, changes since last time is that um, the price has gone up. uh, At least if you if you buy it on the uh, within the the Apple App Store. So rather than $8, it's $11, but you can buy it on the web uh, for $8, which is most likely a nod towards the fact that Apple takes 30% cut from the bigger apps on the App Store. So um, I suspect that's the reason for the price differential. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it goes this time around, though. So I guess the big question, is Elon Musk settling down at all? No, no way. Elon Musk is not settling down. Um, And each time I think, okay, well, we won't be talking about Twitter too much going forward because all the things that could happen probably have happened, then a whole bunch of other things. So since we last spoke, um, there's been at least two or three major developments one of which is the so-called Twitter files, where it would appear that Musk gave access to a couple of journalists and, you know, people who tend to be identified of the kind of the right wing of politics uh, in their journalism, um, to basically just go through all of the company files, the company emails, the company internal systems, um, to see what they could dig out on the previous regime. Absolutely extraordinary. Now, the funny thing is for these so-called Twitter files that followed, they really didn't find very much. You know, for the most part, it's staff on the moderation team having discussions about how they should moderate difficult content. A lot of that was over Donald Trump around uh, the time uh, before and after the January uprising where the mob stormed the Capitol when Trump supporters 
tried to stop Joe Biden from taking office, um, which eventually, and in my view, rather belatedly, led to Trump being removed from the platform. Um, so there's that. But, but you know, these, these, these files have included all sorts of information, including, you know, staff's personal details, including quite junior staff. Um, so that was fairly extraordinary. You've then just seen uh, Musk publish this series of dog whistles to the right as well. So um, just uh, j- just last night, he tweeted, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci, which is obviously a nod towards anyone who doesn't like um the, you know, the respectfulness of recognising people's preferred pronouns, along with this kind of, um, you know, these mad right-wing ideas that um, Fauci, who was the, 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 the doctor who advised, and let's remember, who advised the Trump White House um, on the response to the COVID pandemic in the US. So that's, you know, that that's definitely something you wouldn't expect to see the owner of a major social media platform tweeting. Um, it sounds very vigilante. Very vigilante. And this is the worry. Um, it's almost as if he is, yeah, calling in the vigilantes. You know, he, he's personalised his attacks on the former head of trust and safety at Twitter, who's since left and, you know, hasn't even been that critical, but, you know, carried out the sin of, leaving so he's you know put some real slurs out about him which you know if 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 it was happening in a place like australia which has tighter defamation laws then probably it would have been you know an an expensive thing to say but you know no doubt musk will get away with it because he has done in the past um but then on the other hand, you know, we, we, we also have sort of genuine pieces of news as well or, 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 or development. So, for instance, um, you know, just, 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 just literally in the minutes before we started recording, uh, he's made an announcement that they're beginning to make progress on bots, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the many fake accounts which infect Twitter. So we'll, we'll see whether there's reality to that one. But, uh, but the, 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 the claim Musk was making this morning, just as we were recording, is that the company has made big progress. So we're gonna, we're gonna see far less bot traffic. So, um, so yeah, so we'll see on that. And they've laid, laid off a lot of staff. I mean, I'm, running a business, you know you need people to actually do the work to provide the service. How's that working out? Well, this is the interesting thing because, you know, the 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 sense seems to be well over half of staff have been let go now. You know, I, I'm still not sure who's left in Australia, for instance, on the Twitter team. But the the kind of initial predictions that the site could grind to halt at any moment that hasn't come to pass. Now, what you, you you're seeing is sort of lots of low level comments from people saying, "Hey, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with an impersonator, or I've lost access to my account, and I can't reach anyone anymore." So you're going to have those sort of grinding to a halt moments. But I do wonder whether some of the other big tech players, particularly going into a downturn. Are going to look at that wide 
spread slashing, see that the service is standing up and it's, you know, over the long term, probably halved its costs and start thinking, hmm, maybe we can get away with this. Maybe actually we don't need the headcount that that we had. So there, there probably is something about when companies reach a certain size and the natural thing is just to sort of put on staff whenever, the, you know, something new wants doing rather than, you know, choose not to do something else and ask staff to, um, existing staff to absorb it. So it does strike me that probably this will give um, encouragement to other CEOs to question their own staffing costs. Up next, another year for Paul Barry. Paul Barry will break a record on media watch in 2023. Tim, according to this morning's Australian, he'll do another year. Yeah, that's right. I I must admit, uh, and I guess, hey, you know, <laughs> won't be any surprise to know that I'm a media nerd, so I never miss Media Watch, which is the ABC's long-running show monitoring uh, the behaviour of journalists in in television, newspapers, you know, all all media really, but it's about the journalism and journalism ethics. You know, it's a quite a quirky little show, really. You know, we, we, we forget that there's probably nothing quite like it in the rest of the world. You know, it runs for roughly 15 minutes every, every Monday during the kind of the main part of the ratings year. Um, so Paul Barry will stay for another year. He's confirmed to the Australian's media diary section. So that means he'll overtake his predecessor or one of his predecessors, the show's founder, Stuart Littlemore, uh, who for a long time held that role. So, um, you know, that, 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 that's kind of significant. And while we're on the subject of, uh, Media Watch, one of the long-term members of staff, the story editor, Jason Whitaker, who's always very amusing on Twitter as the Tang Crier. Um, he's announced that actually he's stepping back and is in the job market. So over the weekend, he made his departure announcement on LinkedIn. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. Today's podcast was produced with its usual high level of craftsmanship by Abe's Audio. <laughs> you just want a free lunch, Tim. <laughs> Back next week for our final episode of the year. And don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade and independent journalism, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. And I think it's my turn to buy lunch. We'll see you next week. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.